sustainability needs to be in everybody's job. I need the marketeers that can tell the story through the brands. I need the sales team to be engaging with customers and consumers. And I need the finance people, I need the IT people to help build the infrastructure. Really, sustainability is a space for everybody. Welcome to Good On Purpose. This is a podcast for anyone searching for something more meaningful in their life and work. I'm Nilesha Chauvet, Managing Director of Good, a purpose-driven creative agency working with brands and charities to help make the world a better place. In each episode, I'll be speaking to people who've made a conscious and deliberate decision to give something back. People from all walks of life who represent a new generation of leaders changing and shaping the world today. Listen in as I dig deep to get to the very heart of the story they really want to tell, and most importantly, to understand why they're telling it now. Firstly, welcome to the session. It is fantastic to be able to speak to you. And what's really striking about you is that you've got such a breadth of experience because you've got credentials in both the business sector, but also not-for-profit, and you're very strong on the academic side. And you don't always get sustainability professionals who've got all the credentials, but you are highly accomplished. So Tell me, how did you start your career and what really inspired you? And take us way back, if you like, um, back mm. to, you know, your school days. Yes. So I always thought I was going to be a geneticist. At school, I was really passionate about human biology. I loved the set the cellular side of it. That's why I went on to study biology at university. I went to Imperial College London as a biologist with a firm sort of mindset that I was going to be a geneticist. Turns out didn't really like the lab. Wearing a lab coat, really focusing at micro detail was just not for me. And actually I discovered my passion, which I kind of, actually if I look way back, was always really there, but just hadn't been nurtured until I really went to university. But I really discovered my passion was actually for global change and global systems and ecology. And really, just as I started to get more curious and understand the world a bit better, that's really where I started to learn about what was happening to our global systems, what was changing, and that we needed to do something about it. So I ripped off my lab coat, realized that wasn't quite right for me, and actually started exploring more outside, more in nature that's really where where my passion started. I guess if we go even further back from that, I was born in London and grew up for much of my youth in London, but then moved to Ireland for my early teenage years and lived on a farm right near my grandparents who have been farmers for their their whole lives. And so spent a lot of time um, wandering the fields with my younger brothers and sisters, which I think really is also where I really gained a, a love for nature and being outdoors. So actually, it was only at universities when those two things came together, my curiosity into the way the world was changing with my love for being outdoors and being active, which led me where I, where I am now. So finished my biology degree, went on to do a master's in environmental technology, which on the face of it sounds like it's very technical and um, sort of understanding how wind turbines work, etc. But really, It was the broad spectrum of environmental policy, environmental economics, systems change, pollution and waste management, etc. And there was really where I started to see that actually, who are the big people that need to change and need to act in this space? Really, it's about businesses. 
And so from that master's degree, I went on to work at Unilever, who at the time were just finding their way in sustainability. And I was lucky enough while I worked for Unilever to do a PhD on sustainable supply chains, where I really looked at the food and agriculture system and how at that time, back in 2009, 2010, how the agriculture system was going to play a role in reducing greenhouse gas emissions and tackling climate change. So that really set me up for understanding what businesses can and should do. Really, my passion for food and the food system as both part of the problem at the moment, but absolutely it can be part of the solution. And then that led me on through to WWF and, and where I am now at Nestle. It's really fascinating to hear you talk because what's so striking is that you come from a very scientific background. Do you think that sustainability professionals would benefit from that background? I mean, what what would you say to somebody who's coming from the arts, for example, and wants to work in sustainability or purpose? You know, what advice would you have for them? I think the beauty of sustainability is that we need everybody. We need scientists that can give us the foundation, the understanding, the data behind what's going on. We need artists and communicators that can bring that to life, that can tell the story, that can help us change not just the minds, but also the hearts of people to to know what to do. We need people with economics degrees who really can understand the major levers in the financial system that we need to push on. We really do need everybody in this space. And It's definitely part of my mantra at Nestle when a lot of my colleagues look to me for the answers. And I say, look, guys, sustainability needs to be in everybody's job. I need the marketeers that can tell the story through the brands. I need the sales team to be engaging with customers and consumers. And I need the finance people. I need the IT people to help build the infrastructure. Really, sustainability is a space for everybody. And I think one of the fascinating things we're starting to see with many businesses now, is sustainability becoming part of everybody's kind of personal development plan or their business goals. And actually, for some really progressive companies, it's becoming a bonusable part of their target. Really trying to change that culture that you don't have to have sustainability in your job title. You really can be working anywhere in the business and you can still have a role on helping a company or or whoever it is to, to meet their sustainability goals. So get involved. Everyone is needed. There really is space for for everyone. I mean, that's great because incentivizing involvement in purpose and sustainability is a great thing. And that's certainly going to motivate. But just talk to me a a little bit about what your challenges have been along the journey, because it's only recently that, you know, consumers and uh, businesses are really making much more of a commitment and a loud noise about sustainability and doing good. So over the years, What changes have you seen and what are some of the challenges that you faced? Gosh, there's been, I think, so many kind of major tipping points as such that have really galvanised the interest of different different actors and different stakeholders, whether it's really famously the kind of Blue Planet effect with David Attenborough's documentary series, which often helps us escape normally on a Sunday evening Mm. into a beautiful (laughs) world of of fascinating nature, really family-friendly, everyone around can can watch together. Absolutely. But I think for the first time, some of those documentaries a few years back were showing us places that humans had never actually been before, but where there was evidence of human action. And largely that was through the plastic and the packaging that we're, we're littering our oceans with. And I think that was a massive wake-up call for people 
gosh, we've never been to these places, but our footprint is already there. So things like that, of course, have really helped galvanise a major movement and a, and a war on single-use plastic and packaging, etc. So that's a significant one. I think the pandemic has been another major wake up for people where actually what this what we what we've really seen is nature kicking back is the earth telling us it's unhealthy and actually if the earth is unhealthy that's led to the whole world having to to be locked down to to, to be facing a major health crisis so our planetary and our human health have been kind of smashed together in this situation just shown how inextricably linked they are and that we can't take nature for granted anymore. I guess as well this year we're really starting to see huge swathes of the earth that are currently on fire and other major swathes of the earth are currently underwater and at risk of flooding. Again these are major wake-up calls for both our political leaders, our business leaders but also for consumers that enough is enough, things really need to change, we really need action. Just drawing on you now for a second and where you get your own sense of purpose and how that's really helped to guide you in the decisions you've made and also your career and your personal life. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think for me, the, the key thing that, that keeps me going and excites me is curiosity, really, is being curious in, in everything I do and everything I see, trying to understand it better and in particular, how I can play my role in, in helping to make that better. And I apply that, I think, across all different parts of my life. Absolutely at work, in sustainability. The reason I'm in this career, in this space, which often can be challenging because being in a sustainability role in a business, you're not necessarily everyone's best friend because you're you can be the, the bearer of bad news. You come with challenging messages. You come as a cost, potentially, when you're asking businesses to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do. So you're not necessarily everybody's favourite person within a business. But it's it's really, for me, about what change can I affect, whether that's what I can do directly or how I can engage and inspire somebody else to make a small change and support and empower them along the way, how I can tap into somebody else's curiosity and help them find a path through to doing something that can have an impact to make a difference. So there's no shortage of people in the sector who really want to do good. And increasingly, the career that you have is incredibly attractive, right? So what advice would you give to somebody who would like to follow in your footsteps, but maybe doesn't have a science background or not the same background as you, uh, maybe not even a business background, maybe they're coming from the charity sector. What advice would you have for them to do what you've done? My advice would be get started, ask questions, talk to people, reach out. We we need all skills. We need a huge, diverse range of people, range of viewpoints, range of skill bases to, to help us on this mission for sustainability. So even if you, ha- if you haven't got a science degree, even if you haven't got a degree, definitely reach out, talk to people, find out where you, your passion, your skill set can make a difference. So absolutely don't don't hesitate. I think the other key thing is to be in sustainability requires a lot of just using your voice and being quite brave because you've got to ask bold questions. You've got to challenge people and that can be really uncomfortable. I think we've all seen it in our, in our personal lives where we've seen someone doing something that we're like, oh, I don't like that they're using plastic straws or 
they're leaving the tap on while they're brushing their teeth or whatever it might be. And it can can be quite awkward. It can feel uncomfortable to challenge people's behavior. But part of being in sustainability is is about doing that. So be up first to try and find your voice and understand how to positively challenge people along the way. And then the other key thing would be a lot of what we do in sustainability is new. It's it's stepping into the unknown. So we have to be able to test and learn. And actually, that comes with needing to be able to fail, to be able to see what didn't work, understand it, and then not sweep that under the rug and never talk about it, but actually celebrate our failures, acknowledge them, share them so that others don't make the same mistake and be able to learn from it and grow from it and move on to the to the next thing. So get started, speak up, don't be afraid to fail. Um, and then the last key thing would be don't waste, don't waste anything, don't waste food, don't waste energy, but absolutely don't waste time. The best time to get started really on this journey is is now. It's interesting that you talk about failure because there's a lot of question about how we measure impact and some of the resistance from business leaders going on this journey is the fear of failure and how do we truly know that the there's going to be a return on investment. Just talk to me a little bit about some of the failures that you've seen um, but where there's been a bounce back and there's been a really profound learning in that. I think there's there's definitely been failings with companies. And I mean, so many of us have failed on commitments we've made. In particular, I think most big major companies in the UK and actually globally committed to ending deforestation in their supply chains by 2020. And they made that commitment in 2010, thinking 10 years is, is plenty of time for us to get this, to understand it, to, to fix the problem. 2020 arrived, we hadn't hadn't solved it. There was still deforestation in corporate supply chains coming into the UK, which is something we really shouldn't be seeing. But that failing is important because we learned that, okay, these things take time, but we also learned that we were all just focusing on one lever of change. We were all really just looking at our supply chain management and we were blind to the different other levers out there that we needed to press. And actually, the real maturity now of business is to recognise, okay, we didn't get there. We probably got further than we would and if we hadn't have had that commitment, but we failed. We collectively failed to eliminate deforestation. One of the major challenges of our time, one of the major contributors to biodiversity loss and climate change. But we're learning from that as, as a collective. We're, we're understanding what did we miss? Who didn't we talk to? We were only maybe talking to each other. We weren't talking to the right people so I think it's really important for us to do that in all areas that we fail in. And no doubt, I'm sure, I really hope it's not the case, but it's very likely that businesses will fail on other commitments they've made. But it's about picking ourselves up, doing the best we can to get as close to it as possible, acknowledging that failure and then moving forward to make sure we can we can do better next time. Because with some of these challenges we face as society, climate change, biodiversity, loss, we can't afford to fail at that scale. So the failings along the way, but they have to help us to get forward to that success of, of tackling the climate change and biodiversity crisis. Let's talk about you in the boardroom. Do you think you have enough airtime? Do you think that your colleagues really understand what you do? And do you feel that you're getting the support that you need 
as a sustainability professional to be able to really drive the agenda forward? It's so interesting at this point in time. I think the door has never been wider open in the boardroom for sustainability professionals than it is now. Some, it might be open a bit too late, but it doesn't matter. It's open, so we need to push through it. For others, it's just starting to open and there's nervousness and there's uncomfort about letting sustainability people in. And the reason it might be open is because suddenly companies are really either really up for this challenge and and recognising they have to do it, or they're being asked to do it by other stakeholders, whether it's their investor community that are saying, where are we on this journey? What's going on? Whatever the reason is, that door is open. And it's really our job to to step into it, to engage our board, our senior leadership, help them understand what it is they can do, what kind of business they have the the role and the opportunity and the responsibility to shape going forward. For a company like Nestle, that door is is certainly open. We've got really great buy-in from senior leadership. And I think for the first time in a long time, a lot of directors in general are recognising that The future company they want to leave a legacy as having shaped is one that is sustainable. And actually, their business probably won't continue to exist unless they start taking action and doing things sustainably, because we're already seeing the most sustainable brands, the most sustainable businesses out there are the ones that are succeeding. You only have to look at car companies like Tesla, who really invested in electric early, really, really thriving, many others trying to catch up. We're seeing the same in fashion, lots of sustainable fashion brands really leading the way. Food is absolutely going to be the same as we're already starting to see impacts of supply disruption, challenges of getting hold of different commodities and ingredients, etc. So now is the time, now is the moment. I think the challenge we have is focusing the energy and the enthusiasm of the board and the leadership to tackle the real big challenges that that company can uniquely step into to tackle. So looking at the world in 20 years' time, I'd be really interested to know what you think that it might look like. You know, what's the vision of the future? Because you are part of a new generation of leaders that is really helping to make the world a better place. So give us give us an insight into your vision. I certainly look at the world and the future ahead with definitely with glass half full an optimist. I think you you have to be to work in, in sustainability. I really do believe we have the power to change and we're on the cusp of it. We hear the term build back better a lot. At the moment, it's a, it's a narrative. There's still a lot that needs to be done to make it a reality. But I genuinely believe that, that leaders are waking up to the crisis, waking up to the importance of doing this. So if we fast forward 20 years, we have halted our emission trajectory. We're keeping warming within 1.5 degrees. That still means we're seeing major challenges happening. That doesn't mean we get away scot-free. So really, we're also investing in places to help different nations, help different communities to adapt by whether that's building in better climate resilience and securing natural assets to help protect communities, people, nature from some of the risks that we will face. I think we're seeing a different model of business. We're seeing business genuinely acting as a force for good, that business models have changed. We're moving from degenerative systems where we take more from nature through to regenerative systems where we actually put back 
we renew and we restore nature. I really think that's going to be a major trajectory. I think we're going to see a change in our leaders globally, where citizens aren't going to stand for leaders that don't really genuinely believe in um, climate change, in protecting the planet. And so our policy rhetoric is going to be underpinned by protecting nature. And I think we're going to see a huge change in consumer behaviour, in citizen behaviour, from citizens changing the way they consume, whether that be through more circular models, wasting less, but also citizens using their voice much more, um, using their voice and their voting power with their pound. So spending their money with the brands and companies that are doing the right thing and then using their voice to challenge those that aren't. So on a good day, the world looks bright. We've got a long way to go. We've got a lot of things that need to happen to get there. But I genuinely think business with citizens, with consumers, with policymakers, if we all come together, we can genuinely make that make that trajectory a reality. And what can we expect from you in the next five years, do you think? I hope to see some major brand activations, some major changes within the business that I can really get behind. I hope to build some exciting collaborations externally with others that can really start to demonstrate what's possible and make an impact on the ground for our farmers, for our our nature. Beyond that, who knows? I think the next five years are absolutely critical for all of us to make a change both in our personal lives, taking small steps, but also in our, our work lives, working with others being open to challenge, being open to different opportunities that come about and actually having fun with it. The best projects I've been involved in are where it's good people coming together, having fun, doing something exciting that they all believe in. That's really when we can make the biggest differences. So watch this space, lots to do in the in the next few months and years ahead, but definitely an exciting time. Dr. Emma Keller, it's been a joy and a tremendous privilege to hear you talking today. So thanks so much for sharing your thoughts. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Good On Purpose. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to tune in for more, don't forget to hit subscribe before you leave. We'd love to hear your feedback and your suggestions for future episodes and guests. And you can do that either by getting in touch by email, hello at goodagency.co.uk, or you can find out more on our website, which is www.goodagency.co.uk. Thanks again for tuning in and hope you can join us next time.